Hello. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm feeling jiggy. I'm feeling good. It's a good Monday. How you feel? <laughs> I'm doing great. Yes, it is Monday, and it's a great Monday. So, hey, any good Monday, I'm happy and pleased with. <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed, and uh, I was a little stressed today. You know, I, it was a little bit rough around the edge. You know how the Mondays be. <laughs> yeah, they, they can get a little stressful, but listen, we're still here. We made it through, so... <laughs> Yeah, we yeah we still here. You know, it's it's, it's people out here didn't make it today. You know, a lot of people Absolutely. didn't get to see. Yeah, you know, what it is to be jiggy today, like you and me. You feel me? Absolutely, amen. Mm. <laughs> look at you, amen. Look at you believing in baby Jesus and them. Look at you. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. I, he's the core of my existence. So, you know, I try to keep God in my life as much as possible because it's. It's a lot going on out here. People will test you. Yes, they will. People will test your patience. People will test your morals and values. Absolutely. People will test you. Absolutely. People think you won't go ahead and hit them with a little backhand, like, yo, who you talking to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or leave your text message on read. I'm not messing with you today. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you keep it first. Right. Look, right. You feel me? <laughs> this is this is crazy out here. People out here trying to test your gangster. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> Not today. Yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> Ignorant Intelligent Podcast. I'm here with the Melanin Investor. Hi. You know what I'm saying? The Detroit. You know, we we Detroit in the building on both ends, man. That's that's more exciting than Absolutely. You know. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? You know, your name, your business, and we're gonna get started with these questions uh very soon. Go ahead. Okay, sounds good. So my name is Carmela Hawkins. And I'm the founder mm-hmm. of Melanin Investor. So Melanin Investor is a sports and investment media company that focuses on financial and investment literacy. So how I do this is I showcase athletes and their investments and really tell their stories about their financial journeys to educate mm-hmm. and inspire millennials to follow along in their footsteps to save, invest, and build generational wealth. Yes, and, and, and for the audience members who don't know, could you give the age demographic of the millennials so people can get clarification? So millennials, in my eyes, is anywhere from about 23 years old to about 35. Right. Okay, right. So how, how long have you been uh, engaged in this kind of business? So I started Melanin Investor in July 2018. Um, after oh, just you're coming up, yes, yes. So, a year anniversary coming up very soon. The year went by very fast. Um, you know, and I kind of just came up with this concept after I worked for a, a large um, sports company. So, I worked for Nike for a period of time, and my background is in finance. So, my first love has always been sports and finance, and I wanted to come mm. up with a way to combine those things. And I really was struggling with an idea. Um, and one day I just sat down and I was like, hey, this is it. I can tell athletes stories. So I'm still engaged in sports, but I can tell their stories about their investments and their personal finance journey. So that's how I came up with Melon Investor. Wow. That's a that's pretty dope. You know, not a lot of people uh, will feel comfortable jumping out on faith with themselves, with the, with the idea, let alone the concept uh, such as what you're doing. Exactly. You know, exactly. when we think of corporations, you know, or our, our jobs where we're comfortable at or, you know, our dream careers where we landed and you get there, right? Yet there's something missing. <laughs> you know, you're missing a passion. You're missing a fire. You you kind of get burnt out. Exactly. You know, or it becomes routine. Yeah. 
and you got to say to yourself, okay, well, what's next for me? Right. And this was it. Here we are today, almost a year later, you believing in yourself and chasing the dream, not only chasing it, but actually doing it. Yes, exactly. Especially a black woman uh, in finance and in sports. Can you talk about your experiences with that uh, hands-on from a a personal uh, standpoint? Yeah. So I will say, um, I will say that there are a lot of black women in the sports industry and the representation there has definitely increased from, you know, when I was, I'm an undergraduate, so I'm really proud to see that. Um, But the lack of representation in finance and specifically in the investment space in general, I mean, it's it's I'm one of few. And so for me to really combine both, I think I'm one of fewer. So um, for me, it's about not finding a seat at a table that's already created. It's about creating my own table and bringing people to the table with me that may want to be in that industry or that space. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would go to work and even, you know, at Nike, I worked at the headquarters in Nike. I was the only black woman on that team. I worked in um, global finance. I was the only black woman on that team. And, you know, that to me was an eyebrow raiser. Um, It it definitely, you know, motivated me to want to bring others um, to that table with me. But, um, you know, we're very far and few in between. And I think for me, just creating my business and my company was a way, like I said, to create my own table and to bring others to that table with me because there's there's not a lot of brown women in this space at all. Yeah, so you, you basically are saying, you know, you took a chance to empower yourself yes. and represent, represent, you know, for those who aren't represented. You exactly. know, and I think that's very important. Uh, you would think in 2019 that, these kind of uh, discriminations to a degree, you know, because they probably let one or two in just to say they let one or two in. Exactly. You know, it's not really a genuine consensus. And uh, I, I'm really proud of you for uh, leaping out on faith and taking and taking a stance because a lot of people, especially black women, like you said, in finance, which are giving me a lot of game on right now, but it's about standing for something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about, it's about representing your own and, and representing your people and, and representing the gender who is not catered to. And right. you, you kind of won't get attention brought to you until you make your own lane like what you're doing right now, you know? Right, right. And, I, you know, I find it funny because, um, because I am in the sports industry and because I'm talking about finance, a lot of people don't realize I'm a black woman. They, they, they automatically assume I'm a man. And I think it is the mm. ever when I reply to them, like I'll get a lot of DMs and they'll be like, oh, thanks, guy, or thanks, sir. And I'll be like, I'm a woman. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, they really don't think that I'm a woman. They don't, they don't I guess, nas- they don't think, you know, firsthand, oh, this could be a woman that's promoting sports and, and finance. They automatically default to, oh, it's a guy. And I, I find it to be so hilarious. And, you know, that makes me happy because I am a woman and I'm, I'm doing it. So, um, you know, I, I find it to be, uh, really humorous when people message me and tell me that. Yeah, with, with the presumptions, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing that I find funny in general when it comes to, to men. You know, all these industries and all of these uh, barriers that men put up, not only for, for women, but for other men, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Especially in a lane like finance where it's almost like a buddy system, at least from, you know, just meeting on certain people in mm-hmm. the collegiate, collegiate world or just in corporations, period. A lot of people are in the positions, not because of necessarily what they know, right? It's mm-hmm. who they know. 
Yeah. They buddy a man or it's it's a friend in and let me let me go ahead and let my guy in because I went to school with him or we were in the same fraternity. You know, it's it's a very much a, a cult like in, in higher up chains of corporations, don't you think? Yeah, that, so there's actually a, a word for that, and it's called nepotism. And literally, the yeah. definition of nepotism is um, favoring relatives or friends by giving them jobs or bringing them in, you know, the industry that you're in. Nepotism is huge in uh, financial services and the finance industry. Um, you know, you go to different investment firms, and the son of somebody is taking over their practice because the father is retiring. You know, it, it's 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 and it's he, and he might he might not even be qualified. Exactly, <laughs> might not be qualified. He might not even want to go into that industry. But since his parents have already built something for him, he's like, okay, well, let me just take it over, and you know, it's just given to somebody because of you know nepotism. So that's huge, yeah. and and unfortunately, African Americans. Um, we don't have that as much, you know, sometimes it happens, but we don't have that as much as, you know, Caucasian, our Caucasian counterparts. So, um, you know, that, that stuff is really real. And, you know, of course I would love to break that cycle as much as I possibly can. Yeah, man. Like you said, nepotism, that's a, that's a very, that's a very powerful statement because that's why a lot of businesses fail. Yeah. And I work you know, over the years working with college students, especially in the in the in the law field, certain industries are, you know, I'll say like uh, the medical field, law field, mm-hmm. um, to a degree, politics, and like you said, finance or or major corporations. It's set up like that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these kids don't want to do that shit, man. They don't. A lot of kids don't want to study law, or be, or be a nurse, or be a doctor. Some want to dance. Some want to do construction. Mm-hmm. You know, some want to just do a trade skill or, you know, some just want to be a motivational speaker or something like that. But since something was already, you know, basically handed to you, you kind of feel like you have no choice or the parent is paying for your schooling or, you know, they paved the way. So they just assume this is what you want to do. So you're right. going to do it. There's no choice. Right. You know, exactly. it kind of limits the growth of not only African-Americans, but like you said, specifically women. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of these companies are, are ran by men. You know, let's keep it a buck. A lot of these corporations are, are ran by older men, mm-hmm. right, who kind of already kind of phased out uh, of these systems. So they implement their kids or their nephew or their grandson or whatever, and they don't end up loving the company, and they don't end up loving those who are up under them or okay. allowing other opportunities for those people up under them. So can you kind of elaborate further on that dynamic? Yeah, I, I would say that, I mean, that's what you said is 100% true. And I think it's a, a constant cycle and a constant struggle. Um, you know, we get people in power that really just do not care about the people that are really running the company truly. Like you have somebody that's the face. So just like the example you said, somebody comes up under the company that was the position was given to them and they're the face of it, but they have these people underneath them you know, the, the regular analyst or the person, you know, whatever the person may be that are really mm-hmm. running the company doing the day-to-day activities and they don't really care about them. So, um, and especially, I would say, especially in corporate America, women, <laughs> women, you know, mm. we <laughs> honestly, and I, you know, I am a little biased, but women are extremely smart, extremely empathetic and we have all these ideas and many times they're just overlooked because there's a man in power and he just does not really care. We're looked down upon. We're like second class citizens in a way. 
in a lot of these corporations and quite honestly even in the world I think it's kind of that narrative is kind of shifting because I think women are showing that we're in power and we are showing that we are smart and we're showing that we're capable so I think that narrative is shifting with people like me and you know other women that own businesses and that are doing great things um so that is you know on a positive note I'm happy to see that and I'm happy to be a part of that that shift yes it's a lot of camaraderie with women and and what you excuse me what you'll find uh which I hope a lot of millennials pay attention to man a lot of these events or you know these gatherings you know clicks and stuff like that be aware of who's in it just for the opportunity from you or what they can get from you not necessarily a mutual networking uh situation you know what i mean i always try to alert people that when you're you know finding your way or trying to be an entrepreneur or trying to be your own boss or trying to navigate this world out something outside of your job be aware of these circles these circles that you enter Mm-hmm. You know, because not everybody wants to see you win, despite, you know, you thinking you have the same common issue and want the same uh, common solution. You know, so can you just talk about uh, your experiences with other women, right? Not wanting to empower or uplift because they think you're getting uh, you're getting in their way of, of succeeding. You know, I find it funny because I'm the type of person that thinks there's good in everybody. And I'm kind of naive in a sense that I don't really think there are people that are against me. But what I will find is that, you know, that's not true. People or women or whomever that you think are supporting you, they kind of hide it or they'll do it on the low so that it's not obvious to you that they don't want you to succeed or they don't want you to have a leg up on them. Um, they do right. it really, you know, women are known to be sneaky people, I hate to say. Um, so I think oh, that's, yeah, women, <laughs> men, yeah, men do it very overt and women are very covert about how they go about doing things. And um, so my experience, I will honestly say I have not, um, I, I don't necessarily see that with what I'm doing and for me, but I, that's not to say that it doesn't happen. That's not to say that there are not people that will want to come um, you know, in your life and, and even want to tear you down. So you definitely have to have your eyes open. My eyes are definitely peeled and, and open. <laughs> I don't know that I'm necessarily um, big enough to where um, somebody would find me a threat to where they would want to te- kind of tear me down. And, and my experience has been, um, you know, the people that I know and the people that know about my business have been supportive. But like you said, it's not to say that it's it's not happening because it is. So definitely keep your eyes open, stay peeled, you know, know who's there for you and really know that they're there for you and kind of be wary of the ones that are wishy-washy or, you know, yeah. say things on the slide because people will say things on the slide and you're like, okay, why did you say that? Those are the people that are not in your corner. So just keep your eyes open at all times is my comment on that. Yeah, and, and furthermore, uh, you say you worked for Nike and worked with different athletes. Can you talk about your, it's, it's just kind of uncommon that women love sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not to be on, you know, stereotyping, but it's kind of the truth. So what, uh, what got your interest in sports, but, or was it sports before finance or finance before sports? Can you talk about uh, how you got engaged in, in, in the sports world and the interest in that? Absolutely. So I've always loved sports. Sports is honestly my first love, even over finance. Oh my God. Athlete. 
Um, That's beautiful. Yeah, so I loving basketball. Yeah, like loving basketball or what you was what volleyball <laughs> or track. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I played AAU basketball, and you know I'm not that tall. I'm only five. Oh, you was nice. Yeah, I mean, here, let me just tell you this. I ran a nice. I ran AU track and I played AU basketball. So the reason I played AU basketball was because I was fast. So my ball handling skills were not that great, which is why I eventually kind of fell off because I'm short. I had to be a point guard and I couldn't dribble, so it didn't work out. <laughs> but I had wow. fun doing it. So yeah, I played soccer. I played um, basketball. I played. I ran track. Um, I played volleyball. What else did I do? I danced for a long time. And then uh, I played golf. So I actually had a golf scholarship to college. I didn't actually take it because I just wanted to be a regular college student. And I didn't really want to to, um, commit to that at that time. But yeah, I've literally just always been athletic my entire life. And um, I think my uh, journey through basketball was really what got me to love sports. I used to stay up all night and watch SportsCenter um and just watch NBA games and the highlights over and over and over again then as I um got to high school I started to love football so like for a while I went to Michigan State so but for a while I was a Buckeye shout out to shout out to the Spartans shout out to the Spartans but a lot of people don't know for a while I was a Buckeye fan before I got there so I used to watch Terrell Pryor and uh Jim Treshell was the coach at the time so I used to love the Buckeyes um but just my love for sports being an athlete um, I think has really, you know, made me want to work in the sports and industry for the longest time. And I wasn't always fortunate enough to be awarded the opportunities to get in the sports industry since it is so competitive. So for me, I think, you know, now as an adult, for me, like I said, it's about creating my own table and not trying to get at somebody else's. So um, just the fact that my background is in finance and sports and finance, that industry, there's a lot of opportunity there. And there's a lot of untapped opportunity there that people don't know about. So it was just for me a no-brainer to combine two things that I'm good at and that I love and to create my own table and um, just start a business and start my own narrative there. Jesus, you really a wife out here. Like, you really, like, <laughs> you really can get my finances together and and we can watch, oh, my, what's in the what are you What are you doing? <laughs> what are you talking about right now? I don't know. got kind of sidetracked because I'm lost. Like you can watch you know, all night and not get bored. Or what is this? I'm trying to channel, and you can see if my bank statements is good, if my checks hitting right. Who are you really? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it's rare that you find a woman that does both, but here I am. So that's dope, man. That's 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 dope. And um, furthermore. You know, when it came when it comes to finance, mm-hmm. and we know that athletes oftentimes within their first five to seven years, probably sooner, you know, once they leave the league, they end up broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and with you working in those industries for so long and actually interviewing these people, uh, what do you what do you think is the major cause of that? W- would you say financial literacy or financial discipline, a little bit of both? Can you just go ahead and elaborate? And, uh, and break down the causes of why people go broke, uh, not necessarily athletes, but, you know, the average person in general. I would say it's a mixture of things. So I'm going to say first it's financial literacy. We are okay. not taught financial literacy. We're not taught the, thing, the basics about finance in high school nor college. The only reason I know about it, A, is because it was kind of funneled to me through my parents. So that's first. Two, I'm a finance major. But other than that, I didn't learn this stuff in school. I learned it on my own. 
So unless there are things in place for these athletes or just everyday people, um, unless there's things in place for us to be taught, we don't know this stuff. And then I think the second thing is, too, it's keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's, oh, my neighbor has oh, a new nice car. I won't even say it's a luxury car, but, oh, my neighbor has this nice car. I want to have one, too. Why do I just have this basic car? Oh, she has on these red bottoms. I want red bottoms, too. And I can't sit here and say that I have not bought expensive things because I wanted nice stuff because other people had. I can't sit here and say that. But I think. Yeah, but you're doing it for you, though. I'm doing it for me. But it's still the fact that I think it's it's um, we need to kind of take a step back and and be OK with what we have and, and not necessarily try to um, keep up with other people. I think social media right. is a is a big influence on us and our wants and desires and it's like we live outside of our means because we see we have access to anything in the world we can look at anything in the world the internet gives us access to anything in the world all you have to do is type in your credit card information and you can have it in a in a day or two so um you know i would just say it's a combination of the lack of education for one which is why i created melon investor to teach people to really funnel it in their brains um, to give people basic knowledge and um, the lack of education and then just to wanting to have everything now it's okay to not have everything like it's okay to save your money it's okay to invest your money and get the stuff later because I mean we just don't need everything now so I would say it's a combination of those two things for athletes and for just everyday millennials alike mm. wow man you know financial education you would think uh would be such a such a urgent course uh in in American studies, you know, mm-hmm. in American schools. And it's you really you almost can't even blame, you know, your family to a degree because we we're a part of all the, the same education system. You know, uh however I think that we should take it upon ourselves to search for uh resources to be financially literate. Right? I think we should be surrounding our surrounding ourselves uh with people who are financially disciplined to keep us intact right because soon as your circle you you take about three or five of your of your friends and just like how you responsible for going out or taking a trip or you know things of that nature you guys should also be uh on top of each other with saving money Mm -hmm. you know investing money things like that can you talk about um investing in the stock market uh, having a portfolio, how how important that is for generational wealth, but also building wealth as an individual. Yes. So I think you really have to get to a point where you are more concerned about what's in your bank account, what's in your investment portfolio versus the values of those versus the values of the things that are on your back or in your closet, right? And I mm-hmm. think that comes with time. And I think that comes with age and discipline and education. I think once we get out of the mindset that, oh, she's rich because she has this Louis Vuitton purse or, oh, he's rich because he has on this Ferragamo belt. No, what's in their bank accounts and also what's in your mind. If there's nothing in your mind or your bank account, are you really rich? Um, So it's really just about shifting your mindset. I have this um, this phrase where it's like shifting your mindsets from being a consumer to being an owner. What do you own? Do you own any, you know, investments, whether it's stock, whether it's a home, like actually owning it, 
um, you know, what do you own? That's, that's where the real value is. And I think once people get that through their minds, and like I said, it takes time. It, it really does. It's not an overnight thing where you're just like, oh my God, I don't care about any of this stuff anymore. No, it really takes time. It takes discipline. It takes practice. And also like what you mentioned, surrounding yourself with people that are talking that same talk and walking that same walk. If you're around people that are not trying to better themselves financially, educate themselves, it's really going right. to pull you back. And I, I definitely think I kind of had to do that in a way where I had to talk, start talking to people and hanging around people that were, um, you know, more focused on that versus just spinning or going out all the time because I, I wasn't going to do it, you know, hanging out with those types of people. So I, I would say it's just the two things, just shifting your mindset and really knowing that, you know, building generational wealth, it takes time. It takes a mindset shift. Understanding mm-hmm. the importance of the value is not what you have on your back, what's in your mind, what's in your mind you know, your portfolio, your bank account, and, and, and finding people to hold you accountable to. You know, I, I want to ask you something so specific, right? Yeah. And I, I think about this all the time. Um, with, with, with the league, especially NBA, NFL, uh, th- those two specifically, right, <laughs> which mm-hmm. makes up over our ethnic, our ethnic group makes up over 80, 85% of those leagues. Right. And you need to tell me with most of these guys, you know, whoever, even at the bottom, bottom, they're making six-figure salaries, right? Right, right. And you've got max contract guys. You've got people, you know, making millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars who look like us, right? But you never <laughs> really, uh, even just, I'm talking decades, of, decades of the NBA and NFL. Nobody ever comes together as a collective to invest their money and start something, build something, create something. It's like everybody's in, like you said, it's a keeping up with the with the Joneses. Who has the, the newest car, the newest jewelry? Who has the newest girl? Who got the newest house? Like, mm-hmm. But what about something tangible? You know, so can you talk about uh, what do you think is the mindset behind our people specifically when it comes to uh, collective bargaining and uh, having a collective uh, idea when it comes to investing our finances to benefit us? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I think I'm going to there's I'm going to talk. I guess I have two different points in regards to that. So I think it's because with our race and our demographic, a lot of those guys come from not having anything. So once they get all of this money, they don't know what to do with it or they're not thinking of what to do with it. They just have all this money and anything that they've ever dreamed of or thought of, they're going to buy. They're going to, you know, spend. I mean, it's just they don't they don't know what to do with it, mainly because, like I said, the lack of education and B, because it's just something that they just never thought they, you know, would have. So they're just going out and doing whatever and they're not thinking of long term especially if you're entering the league at 1920 can you imagine coming into millions and millions of dollars at that age what you would do i don't even like i can't even think of what i would do how it would blow it or you know at that at, with, with that um at that age with that mindset but i would say now, <laughs> the anxiety alone yeah the anxiety alone you know of just trying to figure out you know what the heck do i do with all this um but i will say i think as 
guys progress in the league. There's a lot of different um, resources that they have now that maybe they didn't have years ago. So I actually was fortunate enough to talk to a guy. His name was is Excel Hardy, and he works um, for the National Basketball Retired Players Association. So I actually got to talk to him and just understand what he does. And he serves as a resource to get retired athletes in front of you know, financial advisors, and he vets them to make sure they're legit and they're not going to steal the athlete's money. Um, he brings people um, before them, like there's a guy named Rashawn Williams. He's a venture capitalist that works with athletes to invest their money in things like Lyft. Yeah, I've heard of him before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and he works specifically with athletes and entertainers to educate them and to get them involved with investing. So, um, Excel brought him to like a, they had like a master class workshop opportunity where retired athletes would come there and learn and work with Rashawn. So, I think that now, there's a lot more resources than there were before. Um, I think players talk about it a lot more. I know I've um, touched on guys like in on the Golden State Warriors, like Draymond, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, were and Andre with Andre Iguodala, where they're talking about it in the locker room about what they're investing in. Um, so I think that narrative is changing now because these guys have all this money and they're, they're, they don't want to blow their money. They want to educate themselves. They want to invest. They want to be financially literate. So I think at a young age, these athletes, they don't think of it and they're blowing their money. Even Draymond Green said, I think in an interview, he blew $30,000 in one night in a club and he was young then and he regrets it, but now he's investing. He's actually partnering with a, an investment firm um, where they're going into Flint, Michigan, and they're actually investing in the people in Flint. So they're taking the guys or the people in Flint that are business owners and they're investing in their ideas. And of course, you know, they get a percentage or a return on their investment for giving them the money to start their um, business. But I think that narrative is definitely changing. So I'm, you know, looking forward to following it even more as these guys progress in their careers. Yes, <clears throat> it's, it's very important that, uh, we stick together as a collective, like, like we were talking about earlier, being on each other, mm-hmm. you know, having conversations. I think people don't do that enough. Like, yep. even if you don't have the capital per se uh, of a Draymond or athlete or whatever, if you got a, a, a few thousand or if you're in your tens of thousands, it's important that you just have the dialogue. Yep, I agree. Because upcoming, you know, when you grow up, especially in the city or you come from uh, predominantly black households, those conversations aren't really had. You know, the most you might get is, you know, you might start with an allowance or you might have some money in your shoebox or you get a certain age and the most you do know is having, you know, just getting a checking account and that's right. checking and saving and it stops there. Right. You know, you talk about uh, or name off, you know, two or three uh, tipping points of, of dialogue that we need to have and we need to start as, uh, as Black families uh, pertaining to finance or being financially uh, free? Um, so like you said, I think the first thing is the dialogue, but I think specifically is, you know, first, um, not accumulating money to go and spend it, accumulating money to invest, and cu- accumulating money to, so that's the first point, accumulating money to start a business. So that's ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ownership for us in both aspects, because with investing, you, you have part ownership in a company and with owning your own business, you own the business. So you're in control, you run things. And I think three, um, I would just say just educating and, and sharing and not, not being afraid to share and not being selfish with your knowledge. 
um, because I think as a people, once we continue to educate ourselves and we know more and we grow, we're growing, at, you know, as a demographic, I think we're behind because we don't have the education. So, I mean, just sharing the knowledge and the information that you have, I think, you know, when groups of us come together, there's so much that I don't know that if I go talk to somebody, they know so much. And, you know, you say have a 30 minute conversation and bam, I know all this stuff that I didn't know before. Stop being stingy to tell the next person something that you know, because you don't want them to get ahead of you. If that person gets ahead of you, mm-hmm. they can bring you up with them. You know, it's not it's not a contest. Yeah. We're working together. We're behind as a people. We're getting better with it, but we're really behind. So I would, definitely yeah. behind. And, and what you're talking about is just uh, not to interject, but it's about having your, your network really accumulating to your net worth. You know what I'm saying? When you're around valuable people who want to build you, who, who want to get your credit right, who want to teach you how to read your bank statements and how to invest and things of that nature. You know, we need a solid network of not only family, but uh, genuine people around us who want to uplift. Yep. And I also would say, don't be afraid to go outside your race too and hang out with those people and learn from them too. Yeah. Um, diversity. Yeah. Diversity. I, I work with a diverse group of people. I, you know, I grew up in private school, so I learned from those people um, growing up. And I would say without the different backgrounds of people, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't probably wouldn't even care about finance if I wasn't around those people, because I saw people that had money and I'm like, well how did you get this money you know what what do your parents do oh they own this business that business they do this that and the third so all of those different eclectic backgrounds and experiences I think really mm-hmm. helped me so I, I mean my advice is don't be afraid to go outside of you know your race your demographic etc and just learn from the people in this world because there's a lot of information out here that we just don't know and we need to know mm. because as we as we both know in life we live in such a diverse world and to trickle down to the to the most simple uh concept you have to diversify your money right mm-hmm. having multiple streams of income mm-hmm. having a diverse portfolio having multiple things to invest in mm-hmm. this all stems from having diverse knowledge diverse perspectives having uh diverse people around you who can give you a different viewpoint of, of what wealth is, of what general what generational wealth is, right. of what wealth, wealth building is, right. right? Because a lot of people don't have wealth building skills. They may have the money, they may come from money, but they may lose it all and blow it all, mm-hmm. number one, because they weren't taught the value of it. They weren't taught uh, on their own, okay, how to accumulate it through your passions, through your own business, through your own business networks, Etc. So, can you talk about uh, your upbringing and your family when it came to finance and and you know them educating you on money, how to manage it, and and how to control it so you can build it and be free with it. Absolutely. So, I would say, I mean, I came from two educated educated parents, and they were always really good with their money. My father, he to this day is extremely frugal. He doesn't go out and blow a lot of his money on things. He's really just tight with his money. So he was like a, a big saver. Um, and my mom, she is not exactly frugal, but my mom always was an investor. So um, for me, seeing a frugal father and a mom who invested her money and also found other sources of income to provide for different things. So like I know I had braces. My mom found another source of income outside of her job to pay for my braces so that it wasn't coming from that main 
um, pot of money. So, I mean, I, I would say I was fortunate enough to have parents that were very um, good with money and very financially literate. And I mean, even to the point where they were investing in mutual funds to pay for my college education, starting from probably age one years old. So I would say that like my my financial literacy came from my parents as well as uh, my own knowledge. I would say I'm very blessed and very fortunate to have two parents that instilled, you know, the concepts of saving money, the concept of you can't have and do everything at once. You need to save. You need to save for an emergency. You need to save for if you don't have a job, you need to save to go on a trip you need to save you know just save for anything and you need to invest so that your money is growing as well while you're doing whatever um I was fortunate enough to have parents to teach me that um you know and I would say you know without if if my parents weren't like that I don't know where I would be or you know what I would know right now I would say you know mm-hmm. they definitely served as a valuable resource they were like my my base point and you know I built on the base point that came from my parents so um, you know, without them, I, I can't say that I would have the some of the knowledge that I do. Mm. Wow. You know, what you just spoke on is so imperative to the culture because a lot of people don't come from no, a two-parent background, mm-hmm. let alone a two-parent background who's uh, financially stable right. as well as financially literate and setting their kids up because this this is what I noticed as well, too. A lot of people may have money and they're selfish, right? You, you have selfish parents, yeah. selfish people, yeah. period. So all of their money or, or accumulated riches, you know, whether it be uh, in, in the high, you know, five figures going to the six and sevens, it's all about them, Yeah, you know, and they never teach their kids the value of a dollar or they spent all their money on their vacations, their trips, mm-hmm. you know, their education. Everything was about them. So then when it came to their children, you notice that they don't know how to own a business. They don't know, you know, how, they don't know how to let themselves control money and not let the money control them. Right, right. You know, because they've seen their parents have impulsive behaviors when it came to spending, when it came to saving, et cetera. It was all about them. They had to keep up with the Joneses, as you mentioned earlier. You know, they had to keep up with the family or the friend and, and just neglected, you know, like Jay-Z talked about, having your legacy. Right. That's my favorite song by you him, know? by the way. <laughs> Yo, you a Jay-Z I fan, too? I'm a Jay-Z fan, yes. I'm, oh, listen here. We, oh, listen here. <laughs> listen here. You got my heart right now. Oh a Jay-Z fan who loves sports and about her money. Oh, my God. Who are where you? Where you from? <laughs> I'm from Southfield. <laughs> Yo, like, yo, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. How, how old are you, by the way? I'm well? 26 years old. Or years young. I'm 26. Too. Okay. Yeah, I'm 26. But I come from that era, like, yo, the Southfield chicks was always lit. Yes, yes. Like, Southfield, Southfield, we get a an interesting rap, but yes, we are lit. Shout out to Southfield, okay? Shout <laughs> out to the Southfield chicks, man, from Lathrop Village all the way down. Yeah. Like, y'all always had to whip first. Y'all was always, y'all always kept a couple dollars, you know what I mean? Y'all was always fake stuck up, you know what I'm saying? I love y'all. Love the the Southfield baddies, man. Y'all come from a long line of that. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But definitely cool women. Y'all about y'all stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, out to Southfield for sure. Out to the Southfield. Man, no wonder you are who you are. You come come from Southfield. (laughs) You're funny. But for for the most part, you know, um, I think that's very important, man, for our people to come together as a collective to learn about money, man. And people be so 
I think too people are embarrassed about their financial situations, oh, yeah. so they never come to people to help them fix it. You know, if your credit isn't really where it should be, or or you want it to be, or your finances isn't really in order how you know it could be, reach out. Don't be yeah. scared to reach out to people. People out here now, especially in the internet age, you know, they want to help. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to uplift you. They want to get your money right so you can do things with them. If you have friends who are doing great things in their lives and they're financially stable, financially literate, and comfortable, go to your friend and mm-hmm. say, hey, man, how can I, what are you doing? How can I get my money like that? Or how can I invest this money or flip this house or whatever, or get the knowledge with so many different courses out here now to teach you shit. How can we get together with this money mm-hmm. and learn about a course to invest our money? Absolutely. You know? Yep, I think it's important to be transparent. I think it's important to know that nobody is perfect. Everybody started from somewhere, you know, um, yeah, even man. even me, I would say back when I started investing, I mean, I had debt and I was like, okay, I need to pay off this debt so I can spend more money buying these stocks that I want to buy. I mean, I started from somewhere too. So nobody is perfect and it's all a learning process and it's all a journey. And I think that's what makes it fun. I think that's what makes it just you know a great thing so definitely be transparent and don't be afraid to share your story either because somebody can relate to you and somebody can help you yeah it makes it worthwhile as well you know uh one of my mentors actually a couple people uh got me into investing and i was working in uh in a plant i'm not there anymore i quit my job in december okay. but uh i took my 401k money uh at first which was about a couple thousand dollars and I said to myself, you know, do I want to, you know, blow it on something or do, should I get another car? Should I do this, that, and the third? And so I kind of was uh, in a space where I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I called my mentor and uh, he was like, Mr. Beard, you know, you, you're not about to blow, you know, two, three thousand dollars and, and not know where it went or where it's going. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And so he actually uh, put me on a few stocks. And uh, a few investments and things of that nature. But what I did personally, I had my money on the bed. I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, I had my money on the bed and I was looking around my room and I'm like, okay, I got this brand. I buy a lot of this kind of stuff. So I just went on the Robinhood app and uh, which is another, you know, mentor put me on. And I started just putting my money into the things that I already had, you know, from Nike to netflix i got an iphone i started putting money in apple yep. uh i just started investing my money in things i've already had or products that i've already uh bought into you're so it doesn't feel language. like you're speaking my language yeah. yeah so for me it was like okay even if i did take losses or hits or whatever or things drop the the point is you got your money in something mm-hmm. you know something tangible and you invest it and it's an investment in yourself because you don't want to buy these phones. You don't want to buy these clothes and shit. And you don't have no equity in these brands. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You know, so talk about that. Talk about uh, your your basic steps to investing and your basic steps of uh, having a diverse portfolio so it doesn't feel like you're just wasting checks, wasting cash, and, and things of that nature. Yes, I think you said it perfectly. Um at Melon Investor, I push this concept of own what you consume. I literally push it so hard. And it's really just the basic principle of, oh, do you drink Coke? 
maybe you should look at owning Coke stock since you're spending your money with Coke on their stock, have ownership within that company. Like you said with Apple, I even mentioned at one point in time, Apple recently was like $150. I think AirPods are $150. I was pushing that like, hey, you're spending money on these AirPods. You can own Apple stock for cheaper than these AirPods that you're buying with Nike. With Nike, these Jordans are more expensive than Nike stock right now. So why don't you own Nike? Like it's the most simple concept. And I I think people get afraid of investing because they think it's complex or they think they need a lot of money. No, it's not complex. Literally own what you consume. If you're spending your money there, own their stock so you have ownership. And two, I mean, it's just, you don't need a lot of money. I know the platforms that you mentioned, like Robinhood, there are stocks on there that are $5, like uh, Groupon, for example. Um, yeah, I got a few ETFs. Yeah, there's ETFs that you can buy where you can get fractional shares within one, you know, ETF, um, where, you know, it might be a mix of Coke, Apple, Google, Nike, Amazon, and it's a discounted price because it's fractional shares. There are other platforms like Stash where you literally can buy fractional shares if you're on a budget and you don't want to go spend on a share of Nike stock immediately. So I think the own which you consume concept is huge. And I think, um, you know, you don't need a lot of money to invest in keeping those two things in mind is important so that you don't affirm it because a million excuses as to why we're not doing something. Just change your mindset. That's all. Like, literally, I'm going to keep saying that too. Change your mindset. (laughs) Yeah. And that was me. Um, like I said, I, I started investing over a year, a little bit over a year ago, and uh, so far so good. You know, I've learned a lot. I'm still learning as we speak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's still a game that, you know, it's kind of hard to a little bit keep up with. But I always, you know, maintain uh, the announcements. You know, when they make the stock announcements per quarter mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that, I always look up the progress of the company. Mm-hmm. I remember I put some money into Tesla. And soon, I mean, literally, like two weeks later, uh, Elon Musk had a little investigation on him oh, or something like that, God. and Tesla plummeted. Yeah, that stock just plummeted. I remember that, and I was sick. <laughs> you know, so I kept my money in it though, and Good. eventually it crept back up, and I kind of recovered. But you know, just learning that, learning that, you know, not nothing is guaranteed mm-hmm. with this stuff. Yeah. You know, everything is is a market market value. Yeah, and I think also too it's important to know that um investing is not a get rich quick scheme. So there are times oh. where a company specifically like you mentioned Tesla, it's going to drop something happened in the news where it dropped or for example the whole market may go down. I think in January the whole market went down for a period of time but the market recovers goes back yeah, up. Yeah, the government shut down for yep, a while. Yeah, the government yep. shut down. So it's important to keep your money there. It's important a to have a savings account so that the your stocks are not your primary source of money. Um, and it's important right. to know that you know this is long term. It's not even even six months down the line. You know you may see some gains. That doesn't mean pull your money out. That means keep your money right there. And also during those times of market drops. So like when the government shutdown happened, that's when Apple went down. I think best time to buy. Yeah, that's the best time to buy. That whole tech sector was down actually. So like Square was down. Square is the owner of Cash App, if you guys don't know. Square was down. Yep. Square. Apple was down. Apple was two hundred and thirty dollars last uh last year. And it went down to one forty. So I mean those are prime opportunities. And this is what I mean by stop thinking 
stop having a consumer mindset because you know during those times if you have money saved from not going out and blowing your money you can you can clean up in the stock market so um you know just keep those two things in mind it's not a get rich quick scheme and when the market goes down don't sell buy more if you can so yeah and de- most definitely the market will be back down uh I, i'm i'm assuming within the third quarter of this year i i, yeah. I see a, a recession coming in 2020 mm-hmm. or 2021 for sure in the next couple of years absolutely so right now the best thing to do right now and i'm getting this kind of information from uh a few peers who i respect who are actually older than me and in those sectors to save money now mm-hmm. save the, these next couple of years from 2019 Till about 2020-21 is the best time to save your money because another economic collapse is is presumed to come, right? It is best to have a little bit of something and not nothing at all. Absolutely. um, I read an article because I actually have a podcast myself. I'll do a little plug, the Melanin Investor Podcast. That's my podcast. And um, in one of those episodes, I mentioned from 2008, which was the last economic collapse, to 2018, there was 1.2 new millionaires that were created from literally buying stocks so they bought at the bottom of the market in 20 2008 and that 10-year period of growth they became millionaires so who's to say that we can't do the same thing all you have to do is save your money just save your money and invest it during the next economic collapse because there's so much opportunity those stocks are going to be dirt cheap and they're just going to grow the the economy grows in intervals the market grows in intervals there's no reason why we can't have the same wealth as those 1.2 million millionaires okay (laughs) most definitely and and then too it's like i think people are afraid of uh crowdfunding and crowd sharing when it comes to their finances right get with a group of people you trust because that's what most of the corporations do that's what your wall street bankers Mm -hmm. do that's what these kids who come from trust fund money do they get with their peers who come from money or i got a couple dollars or have an idea they put their money together and invest in something or they or they or they build it's one or the other you're either building it or we're about to invest money into something where we all can benefit from it. And then you flip. I try to tell a lot of my friends, you know, who, who hustle here and there, you know, uh, y'all niggas is out here buying Jordans left and right. Do you know, I, I, and I put this kind of concept into like two or three of my friends and they took heed. I said, for every premium Jordan release, for every oh retro God, release, yeah. that, that money you'll spend, put that into buying Nike. Because yep. I'm pretty sure within the next two or three days, you'll see more profit from that then you just wearing them on your feet, taking a picture for the gram, going to the bar, and now you just you ain't did shit to buy a pair. <laughs> Absolutely, and and also too, you know. Nike pays dividends, so you own Nike stock. Nike is yeah. literally gonna pay you for owning the stock, so you're making money from owning a piece of their company. Like you're making money from nothing, basically. So why would you buy these Jordans <laughs> that are gonna? depreciate in value they're not going to be worth anything especially after you wear them versus owning the stock it's a no-brainer to me mm-hmm. and can you before we do wrap up i do want to uh ask you can you uh give a sense uh of the term assets versus liabilities when it comes to investing and when it comes to ownership uh what do you feel is more of an asset or what's more of a liability out here in 2019 so first of all, it's knowing assets are positive and liabilities are negative. So when you think of your net worth, your assets have to be higher than your liabilities. That means um, debt. So if you have credit card debt, 
that's a liability. You're bringing down your net worth. If you owe money to a mm-hmm, bank, you own that type of thing. Um, assets, you know, if you want to start investing, owning stock, owning ETFs, um, even owning real estate and, and investing in that space, I mean, those things are things that are going to increase your net worth and can even um, appreciate it over time. So it's just, again, shifting your mindset, those liability, that credit card debt that you have from buying stuff like Jordans and all of that, just cut it out. It's now is the time for us to start owning things, assets, you know, placing an emphasis on that in 2019 and beyond and just educating yourself on what are assets, um, you know, j- just increase your net worth. And, uh, you know, I think we'll be good as a people, but it starts with educating yourself first. So don't be afraid to pick up a book and read, um, you know, just rich dad, poor dad is like one yeah, of They got audio books, man. They got podcasts. They got all kind of shit that's accessible for you to learn about getting this money, man. Yeah, you know, there's too many resources. Me, way too many. And you can just, you, you DMing people all day anyway, DM some people who can put you on game. Mm-hmm. With tightening up your money or how to invest it or what or what you can do tangibly, right, to see your money in the next three to five years. Exactly. Because we know when it comes to the stock game and when it comes to any kind of investment, I tell people all the time, any legal money where you're getting legal checks, especially when they worth thousands of dollars, that you know how long that money takes just pending. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That money takes that money takes a while. Those checks take a while to clear. So in the meantime, between time, you need to be offsetting, you know, your your investments. You need to be offsetting your assets so that in the meantime, between time, you're getting you're getting the long game money. You're not just getting your every week check or yeah. every two week check. Sometimes those that real money, that real money takes a long a, a while to accumulate mm-hmm. so you can cash in on it. Things over you know ten thousand dollars take about ten days to clear, guys. So you know. My God, man. <laughs> listen here, man. Independent on your banking service, you know, whatever you got PayPal or whatever, that, that money may take even longer mm-hmm. to expedite. So you got to be mindful of that, of your, your, your services, where you um, are cashing out your money from and where you putting your money in. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, I appreciate you one, once again for uh, not only being a Jay-Z fan, right, <laughs> sports fan, and getting niggas money right. You, you really a gem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, giving game and giving knowledge is very important for black women to not only support each other, mm-hmm. but also bring awareness uh, to each other as a people that it's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Ask. Reach out. You know, there's unlimited resources out here for you to progress in any lane that you choose. Absolutely. Right? You know, so I'm here with the Melanin Investor. Uh, go ahead and shout out all your socials and, and things of that nature before we wrap on up. All right. Again, my name is Carmela Hawkins. I am the founder of Melanin Investor. You can follow me on all of my socials. Same handle at M-E-L-A-N-I-N-I-N-V-E-S-T-R, Melanin Investor. And thank you for your time. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Yes, most definitely. Uh, Congratulations on, on all you're doing. And I hope your endeavors in the future are all positive and great. If you want to reach back out, and uh, get back on the show, chop up some business, or you need a network or a connection, uh, hopefully we can exchange those kind of uh, connections and network. And, uh, man, thanks again for having you uh, share your story and your journey on the platform. Absolutely. I'll definitely keep in touch, and I appreciate it. All right. Now, you have a good evening. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye.
Jit. Jit. Will I ride? Will I ride? Yeah. This ain't no podcast. It is a broadcast. Yeah. Yo, this the smartest and dumbest you ever heard Intelligent and ignorant, you heard it first Sipping on this brown with a brown skin Cognac and caramel skins with time beard Who you love, who you hate, well let's talk about it The hottest topics and best believe we ain't going gothic Hotter than the tropics, you looking forward, you know we got it See the bigger picture, no microscopic We the liveest know you tuned in yeah we know you tuned in nothing but a g thing all we missing is juice and gin tying up the loose ends we ain't asked for your two cents special guests every single day and still no new friends calm down youngin i know you see that we running i promise that this ain't nothing compared to what's really coming andre i ain't talking 3000 i'm talking drumming off the glass when i dunk it it's geese just say you love it uh, this that ain't the red issue like yeah The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.